Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Right Rain podcast. Tonight's episode, we will have Grace Kay on. She's a fantastic and very talented event writer, dressage writer, and just an all-round nice person. We're talking to her from her uh, current location uh, in Brisbane, I believe, in, in quarantine. Grace, tell us, what, what are you doing in quarantine up there? Yep, so Brisbane, um, I am on the tail end of my quarantine. Uh, I did a quick trip to Germany, a um, bit of a training trip, and this is the price I have to pay. It's certainly uh, a big decision to make in the middle of lockdown <laughs> that obviously primarily based on learning from uh, the trainers over in Germany, but was it also a little bit that there aren't any big shows on with COVID and, and that sort of thing? So you thought it actually was a good time to go? Yeah, I think definitely a bit of both. Um, my normal dressage coach, uh, Stefan Wolf, he normally comes to Australia twice a year and I sort of in the past years have gone over once or twice a year so we normally see each other three or four times um, and we obviously haven't had that in the last 18 months um, and I just felt like yeah you're right there wasn't much happening at home um, and it was a really good time to get over there. I felt like um, it was time definitely for me to start doing a bit more training. Um, I'd missed it and, and yeah, made the decision to do the quarantine at the end. <laughs> Got an exemption from the government, a lot of paperwork. Um, but it was super worthwhile. You know, I think it was really, really good for my riding to go over there and do this. Sounds, sounds uh, really educational. Before we get too much into what you learned over there and how you became to be a, you know, dressage rider whose regular coach lives in Germany, uh, <laughs> even though you're based in New South Wales, let's go back a few years and maybe give the listeners a little bit of an idea about how you got the horsey bug and where you grew up. <laughs> sure. So uh, it was, it's been my whole life pretty much. Um, I started riding when I was super young, two or three. I honestly, I can't remember starting to ride. <laughs> um, and then we didn't have horses ourselves. Um, we would ride and go out. We were pretty feral. We'd be running up and down the hills and swimming in the dam with the horses and stuff like that when we were little. Um, and then I got my first pony, pretty wild pony. <laughs> Definitely bucked me off more than I stayed on it. Um, and we started getting some lessons. So probably around oh, five or six, I think, I started having dressage lessons uh, with Kim Peterson. And then it didn't really stop. I think most parents expect or maybe even hope <laughs> that uh, it will be a phase that is grown out of. 
but it just kept going. And then I found myself in, when I was a little bit older in high school, um, I would be working with Kim every afternoon. We would ride all weekend. I'd go to clinics with her and she would put me on all the horses that um, needed a bit of help um, and then started helping her break in. And it was really, really definitely a great start to my riding career um, because we saw lots and did lots of really different things. We did Liberty stuff and stock horse stuff, dressage, um, sort of the whole lot. Uh, some trick riding. I was just about to say, I think there's <laughs> trick riding in there too. Yeah, that was so much fun. Honestly, if I I could have a trick riding horse tomorrow, I would. I just, I loved doing that. Was um, that with Heath Harris or with... Mark? Yeah, it was. Yep, Heath Harris. So that was... Yeah, that, that's quite a variety of education. Kim sounds like it was a... She provided a fantastic foundation for you. So I guess yeah. you're pretty lucky to come across her as, you know, one of your early coaches. Yeah, definitely. Super lucky. Um, really, really definitely looking back now, it was an amazing start having such a broad uh, variety. And she was a fantastic horsewoman, like really focused on the horses. Um, and this idea of a connection started really early. Um it's definitely hard work. <laughs> there was mm. not a lot of um, hanging out after school, I would say. I, yeah, I think um, a lot of my time was spent sort of working and uh, doing that, but it's paying off now. So I'm really grateful. Did your, you know, at any time, did you think you'd go into something else? Your, your, your parents chiropractors, is that right? Yeah, that's right. They're both chiropractors, um, both really amazing, super supportive. Um, my dad is actually allergic to horses, which makes the fact that they've um, sort of helped me out through this path of my life even more impressive. Um, and I think there was just there was never really anything else. I really enjoyed sport and I had a really good time at school, um, really enjoyed studying at uni. But, yeah, throughout all of that, I would always have horses in work and be working with the horses. Um, so it just sort of it was just a natural progression, really. This isn't a question I'd, I'd written down, but it just popped into my head when we talked about your parents being being chiropractors has that do you think had any influence on um you know how you sit in the saddle your alignment or how you carry yourself because you you sit uh you know quite balanced and you know in a fairly correct posture uh or do you think it's just being yelled at for hours and hours and on end <laughs> by various coaches yeah i I'm not, I'm not 100% sure about that, actually. I definitely am, I know and I can say with complete certainty that having two chiropractors as parents has absolutely helped me physically um, with my riding. There's definitely been plenty of times uh, and maybe more so recently. Uh, I know I'm not old, but <laughs> there 
riding for 11 hours a day is starting to take a toll um, that I have found having um, two chiropractors around very fortunate. Um, and, yeah, definitely there was a lot of there was a lot of work in my formative years on my position and riding balanced um, and effectively and not getting in the way. Um, and I think having chiropractors as parents really supported that in that any time, you know, sort of as you're growing and learning and developing different muscles and things like that, anytime there was any niggles or uncomfortable um, sort of feelings throughout my body, I was able to chat to them about it and get a pretty quick um, turnaround <laughs> in fixing that. So, yeah, really very, very grateful to have chiropractors as parents and it's something that I take into the horses as well, you know, just feeling myself how I, uh, the difference in my body before and after an adjustment, I know I am really, really confident that the horses feel the same thing when they get adjusted. So it's definitely something that I will take with me throughout my whole life and my whole career with the horses as well. Yeah, that's uh, far right. I feel like moving in for a few days. My uh, back <laughs> certainly feels it in the morning. Uh, is there any yeah. other, any other, uh, you know, self care ideas or or tips that you have besides, you know, getting chiropractic adjustments <laughs> that you, as a as a horse rider, that you think yeah. are important? Yeah, I am the worst person uh, to sprout any of this because. Whilst I think it's very important, the amount of times that I actually set time aside to do some stretching or gym work or something like that is very minimal. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm another one of my owners, super awesome, Sam Burdett. Um, she is actually a Pilates instructor as well. So she has helped me quite a bit um, just going through like different ways that I can stretch and help warm my body up uh, in the mornings and that has been really effective and one of my goals in quarantine was actually to start or do like a Pilates um, program and get into a bit of a cycle of doing that and I am incredibly surprised at the difference in uh, how much I can stretch at the end of this two weeks, sort of this morning even, uh, to when I started. So it is something I'm going to try <laughs> and keep doing. It's amazing what you can do when you've got all that spare time on your hands. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It sounds like, you, you know, your regular day is pretty jam-packed and I know it can be really hard to, you know, do those the stretching and all that sort of warming up uh, and it, it can be hard to just balance you know everything in life I guess Are there have you got it we've got a listener question from a lady called Talisha and she wants to know what you do to manage horses and personal life and judging by what you've just been saying it sounds like there's uh horses 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 <laughs> Yeah, again, I might not be the best authority on this, um, <laughs> but I think um, that at some point, um, 
I've found that I'm really lucky in that I have, or a lot of my relationships um, are really supportive and understanding. So I I have a few, um, probably not very many, um, but a few really close friends and, um, and they're really like, they understand what I do um, and the time factors that are involved in that and they're really supportive. Um, as far as managing <laughs> the, you know, work-life balance, um, I think I do okay, you know, if I have a weekend where we're not competing or don't teach or have a clinic or something like that, I really try and not book anything in on it and actually have some time out um, because I definitely know that after I do do that, have a day or two, um, I come back feeling so much better about you know, working with the horses and putting in these 67 mile weeks yeah <laughs> um and that's yeah I think you know it's, it's something that when we look back on having this kind of time out and living um as well as working even though what we do is what we love is really important yeah, I certainly need some more advice in that regard. It's always hard to set a, set a time aside from horses when, when you do love it so much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and I am super lucky. Like, you know, I have some great people at home um, that help out and have been doing weekend feeds and stuff for us and working while we're at competitions. Um, so, yeah, having that sort of group and my mom of course she's amazing and if we ever get stuck she's always there to help out oh, um, and I know that she is super super mom and super groom <laughs> Any, anyone would have seen uh, her out of the competition you know yeah. following you around <laughs> oh, yeah 100% there yeah like I said I have a, an amazing um, support crew around me and I think you're only as good as your team, but definitely my mum has got to be up there with some of the uh, best in the world, to be honest. I, yeah, I'm so, so lucky to have her and I am thankful every day that she's there supporting me and helping and doing a thousand things under the one hat. Yeah, teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> That's and it. So uh, after Kim... Pedersen, is that when you went and trained with Miguel or was there anyone else in between then? How did you come across Miguel and, you know, pick yeah. him as your next coach kind of thing? Um, yeah, so I sort of went straight from Kim um, to Miguel. We, um, Jamira. Miguel I, Tavora for the, re for the listeners. Yeah, that's um yeah I had a young warm blood I'd had a few sort of we we were a bit stuck we couldn't uh, like I'd done sort of the pony thing um and we couldn't really afford a uh like a an older schoolmaster or something uh that was a little bit more educated um 
So we decided that, you know, and I was really lucky in this, we had Kim there with us to help out uh, to buy a younger horse that had sort of the quality that we were looking for because we uh, couldn't go with something older. And, um, yeah, that was really, again, an amazing experience. Kim was super in that regard, helping us bring on this young, <laughs> enormous, crazy warm blood. Um, we'd had a few before, but luckily they were both, they were all, no, they had two or three again with Kim and they were all, they had very, very um, nice, easy, trainable temperaments. And so this one, Jamiroquai, he was a bit different. <laughs> um, and as he got into his sort of six-year-old classes, we started to have a little bit more uh, trouble with the changes. Um, and mum was actually penciling for Helen Lawson at that point in time. And she, they were chatting about sort of the problems that we were having and she suggested that we go to Miguel, um, someone who just sort of a little bit more specialised in the straight dressage training side of things. Um, and yeah, I went in, I have a very distinct memory. I was so nervous and uh, sort of running through what our normal training um, session would be with Jumiroquai. And then we got to the changes and uh, I showed sort of Miguel where we were up to and he just said, okay, okay, stop, stop. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> Um, and he just called us over. He said, you know, it's absolutely fine. This horse is going to be absolutely fine. Um, he's just missed a step in the training towards the changes and we just have to go back and put this step into place. Um, and he will get them, no worries. He'll have changes for nine. And at this stage, you know, I'd been to quite a few squad clinics and things like that. And, yeah, I'd, I'd never really had this very clear direction um and hearing that was a relief and yeah I it did it was not a short fix that's for sure and that's something that Miguel was always very very adamant about in that there is no quick fixes and um the training is always you know a process a building block process and with in sort of two years though he did get the changes and they were definitely by the end um, his best <laughs> um, move, I would say. So, yeah, it was it was a really – he definitely came into my life um, at a really, really integral part, I would say, and I think he yeah, had a really big impact on the way that I train and think about horses and life in general. <laughs> It sounds like he was saying go back to the basics a little bit. What was that step? Was there one particular step that he nailed down that you'd missed on the way to the changes or was it um, a bit more of an overarching theme? Yeah, I, it was, I definitely think that with Jamiroquai it was a little bit in that the um, – he wasn't the, the – sharpest tool in the shed and I think in the training that I had done with him he wasn't 100% clear on the canter aid so our trot canter was super really clear 
very um, consistent, but the walk canter was not so clear. Like he understood it, stood it, and he did it, um, but it wasn't sort of as sharp and on the aid as what it needed to be um, for his understanding to connect you know, from that step where we do the walkthroughs into the change and having really clear walkthroughs that just leads on to having a really good active um, canter, which is able to obviously collect and shorten. And then um, from that step, we were able to take it into a change. We just go, we would do a walkthrough like five, ten times in the same spot the exact same way and then on the 11th or the 20th time with that horse we would come around and ask for the change and um yeah eventually (laughs) we were able to connect the dots (laughs) and it worked out and what were some other key principles of miguel's that you've really you've taken on board uh, in your training philosophy um i think Definitely one of the key things I would have to say is this um, like building block idea. You know, there's no point going on to something else uh, until the previous idea is really uh, cemented in the horse's minds. Um, And the notion that, you know, we're working with instinct creatures. So if something goes wrong or, you know, they're naughty or the exercise doesn't, you know, and I say naughty with (laughs) little quotations um, because they're doing something outside of what we think their reactions should be, um, it's really, you know, 99.9% of the time not that they're actually acting out against us. It's that they don't understand And our job as trainers and riders is to create a system where they are able to comfortably and easily connect the dots in what we're asking um, so that they can have a positive experience as well because, you know, going in with this idea that it hasn't worked out and the horse is somehow doing that because you know he's upset or he's annoyed at us or something like that is just really not you know how they work as creatures so yeah I think that was really cool yeah that's so so spot on I think uh a lot of people sort of anthropomorphize the horse and go oh he's just doing it on he's just doing it on purpose (laughs) doing this or that or like if you if you find yourself stuck in a bit of a roadblock um or a training uh, issue is generally you'll try and look to the block or the building block before where you're at for yep. to improve that. Definitely, yeah. I think. Yeah, I know it can be easy to get frustrated and and focus on the problem right in front of you when really you need to step back a little bit. Then I guess that building block idea is you know I guess then you go to Germany and they they're talking about the training scale and. And that progression yeah. there, you know, it, it's all familiar, um, you know, from whether he, you're Portuguese or you're German, the, yeah. the progression, the progressiveness, I guess. Yeah. 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 And uh, 
So tell us a little bit about your latest trip to Germany. You know, did you buy any horses over there? <laughs> Steal any of them? There was definitely plenty that I could have stolen. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, yeah, it is something in the future that I would sort of look towards is maybe um, doing a bit of a longer stint over there. It's just... Uh, I think being in that environment and riding with that calibre of horses and riders and having this group dynamic where, you know, there's four or five of us riding in an arena um, and, you know, it's it's amazing. We've got mirrors, of course, but you can sort of just call out if you're, like, say, training a change or something or working on the half steps or something like that and just, you know, ask for someone to watch you and call out if they're right or not. And um, there's always someone on hand to help and give instant feedback, which is awesome. And <laughs> I find even just riding around and, you know, you'll be having a, a two-minute walk break and you'll look up and you'll see one of the riders, you know, training an exercise or um, just running through a test line or something like that. And having this around you all the time, every day, you know, six, seven days a week is really, really um, a super environment to train in. And, yeah, it's something that... I definitely miss having over here and geographically I know it's hard and we are very very spread out um and we don't have that cluster so yeah I think we just got COVID clusters yeah <laughs> yeah the worst kind <laughs> um so it's almost like the, the one of the best like not that you learn one single thing in Germany that's amazing and it's going to fix all your problems. It's that immersion in riding and being surrounded by other riders, you know, all looking out for each other, watching each other's horses, you know, that's really what improves everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And that it just, I think, makes such a big difference. And Stefan is absolutely fantastic for that. You know, he every time sort of he has a little break or something like that or if I have a question or anything even on the fly as we're both riding and working together um he is really really good at stopping and explaining um and sort of or just calling out little things here and there and it is I think when we get to this stage in our career it's those little like instant bits of feedback you know rather than I think and I I love going to lessons and clinics and stuff like that but um having these sort of small you know small comments here and there like you know sort of work the neck a little bit lower or let the pole out um come a little higher or sort of let the nose out a bit or you know get them more active behind think like little things like that um yeah is really really super handy because then it develops uh your feeling as a rider and sort of when I'm going around and going okay this is what I'm feeling now uh I think it's pretty good my thought is maybe it should be a little bit more like this I'll sort of look up um and he will say like you know yep that's fine that's really good or you know try this try that and it's a really good um tool in developing that fit so 
Yeah, well, what, uh, <laughs> what would you recommend to, let's say, a younger rider, some, you know, let's say around 18 to 21, uh, they want to go over to Europe, they want to go ride in Germany, they're, you know, they see the bright lights, you got any recommendations, you know, do you say, oh, yeah, call my mate Stefan, um, or do you, do you tell them something else? <laughs> yeah, I think it is really hard, and honestly, I've, I've, done quite a lot of trips overseas now um and when I was in that age so I think my first one would have been about 16 or 17 um I think you ha it's a lot of work you know you might get to ride one or two horses a day if you're lucky um and you'll be doing stables and grooming and stuff like that like there's no unless you're sort of going over there as a client, I think um, be prepared that it, you know, you're going to have to work. Um, and then it's, I really found building relationships. So, you know, if you are a young rider and you're super keen to get over there, then talk to someone about it because nine times out of 10, they will know someone or they will, this person that you talk to will know someone that's been overseas and have a contact. Um, and be able to sort of put you somewhere that, you know, there's already that bit of a relationship built. Um, I think I was super lucky in that I had worked with Stefan a few times before I went overseas. So we sort of had a bit of an understanding of how we both worked. He had seen me ride on my own horses and how I trained my own. And I had an understanding of how he trains um, and it really clicked. And I think that was really important because then when I went over there, we already had that foundation. Um, so there was a little bit less of this sort of trial and error period, I guess, um, where you're figuring each other out and the way that you communicate and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely if you want to do that, you should. And I think every rider in Australia should, hands down um and just start talking to people about it i was really my first my very first um training trips i uh was super lucky with miguel we were doing an article with chris hector um from the horse magazine and he had spoken to or interviewed and done a lot of articles with people overseas and he gave me the names of a few people um that he recommended talking to so just by sort of you know putting it out there that this is what I wanted to do we were able to um do that so yeah I think it's it's an awesome thing that everyone should do and you just gotta start talking about it really yeah that I find uh or I found that was a pretty similar experience when I first went over as an 18 year old yeah you only get to ride a couple of horses and, <laughs> yeah um you know you've got to go out you've got to be willing to put in those hard yards i remember yeah. getting in trouble for you know i had 50 box 50 stables to do <laughs> and um i hadn't finished them quick enough and no, I said, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in trouble what about the german bloke who took the day off because he's too hungover even if you don't get all the rise i think it's good for riders to then go and yeah. see what's there and then find out really how much they do love it if they can put up with all of yeah, that absolutely. Um, dirty 
dirty work. Yeah, the so shitty now, job. <laughs> yeah, the necessary evil. You're back home or you'll be back home in a couple days mm-hmm. and you're going to get stuck back into the riding. You've got a nice team of horses. Tell us, tell the listeners uh, about the various horses you've got at the moment because you've got both dressage and eventing horses. Yeah, so I'm really, I'm so, so happy with the horses that we have at the moment. Uh, we've got a really great bunch. Um, on the dressage side, we've got um, really super horse um, WG Confederate, and he's owned oh. by <laughs> Pammy. <laughs> yeah, she is awesome um and this little horse is just yeah he's a superstar i am so grateful that um bam has really trusted us over the years and she sent him as a four-year-old and she showed me um, him as a as a yearling i saw him in the paddock out at kunabarabran and honestly i thought oh my god this this little yeah he had nice. He had a good body on him. Everything was evenly balanced. Good legs, yeah. a nice, a kind eye, and um. But I thought, oh, he's he's a bit little. And um. Anyway, a few years later, now he's uh he's he went really well. You have been scoring, I think, around seventy percent at medium and winning medium tests out in you know open company. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So it's definitely a bit of a running joke about the uh, small plain bay in the back paddock. <laughs> um, but he's, yeah, he's starting to really hit his straps. And we we definitely, I remember telling mum, saying to mum when he was four that, um, and like that, that we should just wait with this one, that I thought there was something in the tank there. And, uh, yeah, and now it's starting to really show. I think he's got an average of like 72, 73% now at medium. Um, and he just, he the more that I work with him and the more that he develops that strength and balance and uh, ability to sit, um, the more exciting he gets. So I'm super keen about this one. He, yeah, he's got all the makings there, everything that um, we think it takes to get to Grand Prix, and Pam has been really supportive in that. So I'm really, really happy with that one. Um, I've got a another a few young horses with Michael uh, Clayton that him and his wife Susie have bred um and they're three they're rising four now really pretty excited about those two um i think susie and michael have had a breeding program sort of like 10 years in the making really and now yeah we have a super crop uh to work with and then um on the eventing side i have um one of my really exciting younger horses with joe keat and joe is a f- another fabulous i'm so lucky my owners are absolutely awesome <laughs> they're really really supportive and great to have around um and joe is yeah she is 
amazing. She rides with us every day. She has her own horses at our place um, and is just a really super support and awesome person to have around. And she, we half own um, Bluefields for Cello. He's just doing one star. He's probably ready to go around two star, I reckon, by the end of the year. And he's very exciting. Um, Sam Burdett, my Pilates saviour, <laughs> she's got a young black mare. Um, again, she's around one star uh, Sia. She's lots of fun, very spunky, lots of sass. Um, and then a sort of a new one we've had this year uh, from Justine Donahoe, uh, Wimborne Courageous, and he... he um, He's a young stallion that she's bred herself again, and he's by, sort of... By contender? Yeah, by contender. We have a little piece of the crew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, super. Yeah, he's definitely producing some really top sport horses, and I think um, this young man, he will be right up there too. He's got big, soft, swinging paces, Um and a absolutely fantastic jump. I think he blitzed the four-year-old at um, Sydney three-day, and we're really excited about him. And it's going to take him a little bit slow. He's got such a big jump um, that we want to let his body catch up to it. Mm. Uh, super temperament to match. So I can't wait to get home and working them. They're really – I've definitely missed them, that's for sure. Yeah, it sounds like a super team. We've got another listener question, this time from Christine, and she wants to know what the differences are, if there are any, in how you prepare for a dressage test in straight dressage or for eventing dressage. I'm guessing, you know, with, with either your dressage horses or your eventing <laughs> horses, or do you just try and ride them all calm, forward and straight? Yeah, <laughs> those are three basics. Uh, definitely up there in both. Um, I, there is a bit of a difference, though. I think that my eventing horses, um, like the sort of the calm, straight, relaxed, flowing idea is a little bit more prominent. I would say the dressage horses, um, we, we have them a little bit sharper. Um, so I sort of, we have this idea that they have to really like really sit, um, push off the ground, sort of weight, work through their body and back, and this little bit more of a, um, a little bit waiting, going feeling, you know, before every corner in a dressage test, I'm sort of rocking them back, letting them out across the short side, showing them off, uh, rocking them back again in the second corner before we go into any movement um, to really show, like, you know, their dynamics um and uh, like yeah showing them off a little bit more I guess and whereas in the eventing I think what I'm looking for in my dress and what I've sort of had to myself um, adapt to a little bit is this idea of something a little bit softer a little bit more uh, maybe flowing I guess um, where rather than having that uh, like really sharp sort of reaction um, 
that it's it's a little bit softer and that everything is really smooth you know the horses are really relaxed through their body they're swinging they don't necessarily have to be as collected um and sitting as the dressage horses do um so that it just it's a little bit more of a a relaxed free picture i guess yeah. <laughs> yeah. no that makes sense i guess then you know the eventing horses go out and they do cross country and jumping and you sort of don't want them yeah. thinking, you know, sit, 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 go, 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 go. You want yeah. them to be consistent. <laughs> and with, um, since you do so much jumping, do you, with the straight dressage horses, do you any cross training or is it all circle, circle, circles? <laughs> no, no. I think all of uh my horses do everything so all of them do like you know the cavaletti and little bits of jumping they all go out into the paddock they all do hill work they all walk into the dam they all like you know walk through the cows they i think all of mine there's obviously the dressage horses their work is more predominantly in the arena. So they might do sort of three or four sessions in the arena a week, whereas the cross-country horses will do maybe two. Um, but there's, yeah, there's definitely this idea that every horse that comes onto our property will be able to walk up the road. <laughs> um, and, you know, that they can all do different things and they don't have to be good at it. It's not about being, you know, sharp um quick behind dressage horses or like you know really athletic jumpers it's not about that at all it's that they all sort of learn to relax when we as riders sit on their backs and think about what their feet are doing and be able to sort of cope in different environments under different stresses and um yeah that's what I really really like and look for in my horses do you have time to you know teach many lessons or are you just too busy um riding the city sand dances <laughs> yeah i that is a uh a definite business uh, model that i need to address <laughs> i think i am really lucky i have a great uh group of ladies that i teach um and I think my sort of lesson base has been growing quite a lot in the last 12 months and I really you know, enjoy working with these guys and um, and teaching and doing clinics and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I think rather than having 10 horses in work and trying to squeeze in three or four lessons a day, I would, I would honestly yeah look to have maybe a few less horses and teach a little bit more um but yeah I'm really like I said grateful that I just have I have that decision to make you know that I've got these fantastic horses and I've got a wait list and I have really really lovely lessons to teach um and ladies you know consistent lessons um that we have a really nice group and uh yeah I think you know while it's a decision to make I'm definitely aware that it's it's a really privileged decision to make and I'm grateful for that yeah it certainly is well if anyone out there listening you know wants to get in contact with you and you know pick your brain about going and training in Germany or maybe they um, you know want to come for a lesson or they want to even want some advice on 
who to go to lessons for. Uh, how could they get in contact with you? Social media or? Yeah, I uh, I am. My phone is not my strongest point. <laughs> um, Shouldn't be writing and texting, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, but no, definitely, yes, yeah, social media. I think I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook, and I try and uh, keep up to date as much as possible. <laughs> With and if, the- you're at a, if you're at an event, you'll see her galloping cross country in, you know, cherry blossom or. Uh, <laughs> leggings or some other loud, something bright loud variety. <laughs> Definitely something bright and fun. Yeah, well, and all, that's all right. That's right. Um, I was just going to say, you know, uh, Grace is also someone that, you know, is always smiling out of competitions. Like, is there any, like, magic potion that you have in the morning to, like, just smile all the time? <laughs> or, you know, you're just, like, living the dream? Oh, that's so funny. No, I I just, I think, you know, waking up and of course you wake up some days and you feel better than other days. But, you know, I go outside and I have beautiful horses to ride and really like amazing, amazing owners. I have a super support crew. Uh, my mom, she's just like, she's <laughs> brilliant. And I... I just try and sort of, you know, take a step back sometimes. And I think it's really important to not get caught up in, you know, the small everyday details, especially at the start of the day and uh, realise, you know, how lucky we are to be doing what we are with these amazing horses and um, that there's really not anything else that I would prefer to be doing, like, you know, do you want to be stuck at a desk and <laughs> air conditioning in an office all day? Or maybe no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely not most of the time. <laughs> I'd be such a terrible uh, colleague if I was in an office. I'd just be stirring the pot all the time. I'd be so I bored. I imagine, yeah. Um, well, it's getting late here and, you know, you're stuck in quarantine, but I've got to ride. 15 horses tomorrow so we better leave it but it's been fantastic having you on thank you so much for all of that sharing a little bit of your journey um, both past and present we wish you all the best in the future thanks so much for having me very enjoyable